Fuck the rubby owie. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown, the combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong. All right, everybody. Welcome to SNG. This is the loaf, and across the few state borders from me, my good buddy, the Zom. Hello. <laughs> uh, so this week uh, we were planning on doing some uh, Bollywood action, but had some technical snafus there, so we scraped something together last minute, and uh, we're gonna do a little discussion of a movie we've both seen recently. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Cholet review will be coming post-haste, but this week we're going to have a little filler show and talk about this cool little movie. Did we like post-haste. it? Post-haste. We'll Is that Indian? Yes. That's Hindi for soon. Okay, cool. Uh, Zom, how are you, sir? I'm doing fairly well. I've uh, been having some, uh, I think I discussed it last week, uh, some problems. Um Mostly probably due to lack of sleep. Um, oh, yeah. I had a an incident the other day. I know for a fact that I am ready for combat, hand-to-hand combat, because I have been <laughs> tested so many times recently. Uh, the other day, um, I went to sleep. I slept for probably an hour and a half, and I woke up because there was a guy with a lime, fluorescent lime green flat-top haircut standing in my room and I'd leaped up to fight him and I was cussing him and, you know, going through the whole, you know, uh, whatever. And he disappeared. And so then I still in my stupor, uh, kept saying stuff like, you know, well, or I don't even want to get into it, but (laughs) so anyway, the next day, um, I, came home and I thought, okay, I'm exhausted. I'm going to fall asleep. I fell asleep for about an hour and 15 minutes and woke up and I was like, fuck this shit. I took half a Benadryl and a goddamn um, uh, melatonin pill and I slept from 8.30 in the morning till almost 9 o'clock at night. (laughs) Nice. And it was really nice out too. So, And I missed the whole day. But I needed it and I feel refreshed. Although today when I woke up, I kind of felt gross because I ate some. The split pea soup has been making my stomach not hurt, but feel no. kind of gross. Especially when I wake up, I'm like, oh, it'll just lay in there. So I might need to, I bought like 12 cans of it the other day. So I'll have to eat those and oh. then I'll stop eating it. I don't want it to go to waste. I love that shit. It's so good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I had a... Eh, week. Um, so uh, I was a little, I don't know. I kind of was under the weather, but it was weird because I wasn't sick. Like I couldn't sleep either. And I fucking like every day I would get up, I felt like I was kind of dizzy and like I had a, like, like my head was too heavy. That's and, how like, I've been feeling. Maybe it's the, the 
pollen or something or yeah, the change in the weather. But I wake like, up and I'm like, oh, my head feels like a bowling ball. Yeah, and I couldn't like like my throat didn't really hurt, but it kind of did, and like my nose felt like it was going to run, but it never did. Has and, anybody been trying to attack you? Uh, not yet. But give it a few days, more days of not sleeping. Although I did take a quote unquote sleep aid the other <laughs> night, and uh, that, that 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 helped quite a bit. So, uh, <laughs> um. And I watched the I watched Grand Budapest Hotel, and it was uh, it was a different experience. Um, but the uh, so you know I I, uh, I I took some medicine and I went to a Durham Bulls baseball game. So only once a year do the Pawtucket Red Sox come into town for a series, and this was this was the week. And there's so many Red Sox fans that the games are always super crowded, and um, so many Red Sox fans that live here in this area. I mean. And uh, so I just randomly decided on Tuesday to go to the game. I took uh, DayQuil, and it made me feel pretty good. And I went with a buddy from work and uh, to discover they have buy one, get one free tickets in certain sections that night. So $5 got me in. And, um, yeah, I had a good time. A nice night for a game. But then, like, after the game, I started losing my voice, and I fucking had to call out of work the next day. I woke up in the middle of the night to, and I, at 3 in the morning wasn't going to get back to sleep. I could just tell, called work, and as soon as I, you know, when you sometimes when you're by yourself, you don't really, you don't hear your own voice much, and uh, I, I called, I called at three o'clock in the morning to leave a voicemail, and my voice, all well, that came out of my mouth was like, yeah, guys, I'm like, what? <laughs> caught me by surprise, um, so I just called out and just slept most of the day uh, Wednesday, and it, it seemed to help. I feel a lot better, so still getting caught up. I never up, have but. had allergies. But last week when I went out and was cutting my grass, mm-hmm. my nose was just running and I was sneezing the whole time I was out there. So, you know, they always, they always say that, you know, uh, your body changes and you can not be allergic to something and then so many years later be allergic to it. So yeah. it might be something like that, you know. Well, we were, just- we were going to go to the game again on Thursday. It was a four-game series and uh, we bought tickets. These were two other friends of mine. And we got to Durham. And only to discover, well, Durham doesn't have the greatest parking around that area. There's two decks, but we we came to discover that Weezer was playing at the at this performing uh-huh. arts center, like three blocks away from the yeah. ballpark. There was no parking anywhere. We drove around. We were already late. We drove around for thirty minutes just trying to find anywhere. The decks were full. The lines of cars everywhere were ridiculous. So uh, we had to skip the game. I <laughs> fucking didn't. Uh, we totally just burned the tickets. So we went out to eat, and that was about it. Bought some records. So, would you buy anything good? Um, I, <laughs> no, intentionally, well, I, shit. Well, no, no, no. I bought uh, I bought a couple of uh, '60s like garage rock bands, The Creation, um, which has a tie because uh, they had a song on the Rushmore soundtrack, the Wes Anderson movie. And I bought uh, another one by soundtrack. the the yeah the another the. It's the song that goes dun 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 dun. That's the creation. And then I bought another one by a band called The Litter, who were I believe from Minneapolis, another '60s garage band. So are the uh, the uh, is the are the albums in like I mean pretty pristine shape? Oh, these were new. Yeah, they weren't used. They were just oh, okay. they were re- re- represses. So oh, okay. they were good. Um, and that was it. So and I went and had a big chili poblano pepper at a local Mexican restaurant and went home. So chili pub. Poblano. Poblano. Yeah, this there's a really big. It's like a green pepper, but a little spicier, and it's pointed on the end. And mm-hmm. they cut it open and they stuff it full of cheese and shit. Cheese yeah. and shit. Ooh. Well, yeah. I like the cheese part. 
and then it causes the it causes the cheese and shit later. Yeah. So, uh, what have you been watching this week? Oh, here's my well, okay. I was gonna grab my list, but I actually have it. Up you, you have to fill in some space here because I only watched one thing besides Cholet, which is two days of movie, and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and. Uh, <laughs> And I watched Grand Budapest twice. I only yeah. watched one of the movies. So. <laughs> I've been watching um, a lot of SVU. I've been watching yeah, a lot of yeah. regular Law and Order. Been watching a lot of Criminal Intent. But uh, and I watched the George the Animal Steel shoot interview. Nice superstar Bill Dundee shoot interview, which was great because he talks about uh, Jerry Lawler and and uh, a lot and Austin Idol and all those guys that they worked with. So he was he was really good. But uh, as far as movies go, I watched some movies. I watched a movie from 2010 directed by Sylvester Stallone. And it was called The Expendables. I have it on Blu-ray. It was sitting on my dusty coffee table. And I thought, you know, something sitting on the dusty coffee table. And I put it in the Blu-ray player. Um, This one still is the best one because the other one sucked. Um, (laughs) And um, I still like Bruce Willis because in the scene in the church which he calls himself Mr. Church, but mm-hmm. he is such a fucking badass. And then they just fucked it up. Uh, Mickey Rourke's still great. Um, Jet Li is still kind of a little annoying guy. And Statham kind of annoys me too, because, you know, he's got Christmas. this hot chick and takes off for six months or something. And then just shows back up. Never even tells her where he's going. She doesn't know anything. She hooks up with somebody else. And he's like, you should have waited for me. I was, I'm worth, I was, I was worth it or something like that. And I'm like, fuck, what the hell, dude? <laughs> so anyway, but we've talked about all that shit before. Dolph was really good. Uh, Stone Cold beat up a woman. So there you go. There you go. Uh, I won't comment on that anymore. <laughs> uh, I just thought that was so funny because the actual line in the movie is um, Eric Roberts talking to the general they have the general's daughter, and he says something about, I was raised to never lay a hand on a woman. And then he says something, he looks at Stone Cold, and he goes, my friend, on the other hand, uh, uh, doesn't hold such the same beliefs. And, and Stone Cold hauls off and punches this chick right in the face. And I just thought, God damn, man, that's really kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Considering he had been arrested twice for beating up his wife and his uh, girlfriend. So anyway, okay. Next thing is uh, 1990, uh, directed by George Armitage, Armitage, or Armitage, Armitage, and that is Miami Blues, starring Fred Ward, Alec Baldwin, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Charles Napier. This Napier. pretty good. I cannot remember. It's based on um, was it Charles or oh. Charles Wildford, he had a series of books, and I guess the um, the uh, Fred Ward character, the cop, is, and of course I, you know, I'm looking at the whole goddamn. There it is, Hoke Mosley <laughs> is uh, the was the name of the cop, I think, in the novels, and it's pretty funny. Uh, Alec Baldwin is so young in this. I mean, he's still really, you know, good looking. Fucking, I remember hearing a story he told about uh, meeting a big 
producer, I think, or maybe a, a some famous director or producer. And they were walking down the street, and he's talking about this movie and saying, you know, I think, you know, I, it's gonna. I, I'm really excited about this and everything. And you know, talking to the guy walking down the street, and the guy says, just out of the blue, you know, if uh, if your ass is as hairy as your chest. I can't wait to get up to my to my room and have you sit right on my face. And he was kind of like he told that on like Letterman or something. It's pretty funny because now he's old and fat. Maybe. So I'm sure I think I might not think the same way now. He might. I don't know. It was probably like fucking uh, uh, what's his name, Abel Ferrara. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't sit on Abel Ferrara's face with my pants on. <laughs> that kind of sounded weird. Anyway. I watched uh, from 2013 Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pacific Rim again, uh, and the reason I did was because the three movies that I loaded onto my uh, iPad uh, that I had never watched, never touched, or anything, as every single one of them said that they had expired, and they had not because I had not even started watching them. So I sent Apple a little thing and said, "Hey, what's fuck?" And next thing you know, they all worked. So anyway, I watched Pacific Rim again. It's still good. Charlie Hunnam can't keep his thumbs out of his fucking uh, belt or belt buckle or whatever, but it's still, I like it. Look. Um, I watched a documentary on Netflix Instant uh, directed by Jason Osder, and it's called Let the Fire Burn. And this is about uh, this group called, uh, uh, the. it's called Move. And I remember when this happens, 1985, and they, they, um, uh, Pretty much, I, I think they were. It was uh, they were all African American. They had this big uh, um, old uh, tenement building or something in Philadelphia, and uh, like they tore up the sidewalk so that they could plant uh, plant gardens. And they had no electric, no uh, uh, anything like uh, modern day stuff. And they were all about. Uh, peace and this and that and living off the land and uh so then the philadelphia police dropped a bomb on the building and fucking burn them all up and killed everybody so that was kind of fucked up <laughs> fascist uh you know uh america but it's very interesting and then they came up with all this shit well they said that the uh, there were kids in there being abused and everything and that was kind of like a bunch of bullshit and they tried to cover their ass it was a uh, uh, Ed Rendell, I think, was governor maybe at the time, or maybe he was mayor. I can't remember. No, because uh, this guy Rizzo was the mayor. I think Rendell might have been governor. But it was, the, I mean, what a piece of shit those people were. So, anyway, the next two movies kind of link together. I found this documentary on iTunes, mm-hmm. uh, and it was, it was 99 cents. So I thought, well, 99 cents, uh, I can put it on my iPad. And uh, it's called Murph the Protector. Uh, it's directed by Scott McTavish uh, from 2013. And what this is about, and it, this will uh, kind of go into my next movie because it's about the same person uh, or one of the guys, uh, is about um, the guys and the incident that happened in the movie Lone Survivor. Uh, and the main uh, – well, the main guy of the documentary is this guy, um, uh, Mike Murphy, Mike Michael P. Murphy is Navy SEAL. Uh-huh. And um, it just basically talks about uh, – it, it has talking heads like his parents and his sisters and friends 
other Navy SEALs and people that knew him and what and it just talks about what a great guy he was, how he was even before he got in that, he was always about helping his friends and helping people and blah 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 blah. And but I'll I'll be honest with you, I I had read an article about this whole thing that they made the movie about and um I think I don't know if it was in Vanity Fair or something like that. And um the documentary isn't very good, I don't think. Uh, it was kind of, you know, eh. uh, they didn't really talk that much about um, the mission or anything like that. They even said, you know, his parents and his friends and family said that he wouldn't talk about anything he was doing. Uh, you know, he would he would just tell him, hey, I'm, I'm, I've got to go out of, uh, you know, I'll be gone for a while, blah, 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 blah. And he'd try and stay in touch with him, but he'd never talk about what he was doing. And it was just kind of like, you know, Basically, like I said, just him, those guys saying what a great guy he was. And then the, the next, so, I mean, you know, I don't know. I just, uh, it was kind of boring, I thought. And the next thing I watched was Lone Survivor from 2013, directed by Peter Berg. Uh, this stars uh, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Taylor Kish, Emile Hirsch, and Ben Foster. Also has Eric Ban in it. And this is the, the, uh, the movie about uh, the stuff that was in uh, Earth, the Protector, mm-hmm. but these Navy, uh, four Navy SEALs and they get sent on a mission in Afghanistan. Um, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> okay, now people know that I don't like Mark, Mark Wahlberg that much, but I have also said that I have seen movies that he's in that I like, you know, that yeah. he stars in, you know. Uh, so. But I watched this, and I was a big fan of the movie Black Hawk Down. Uh, I thought it was really exciting. Uh, I, it, it, the the camaraderie between the guys, like you had Ewan McGregor, Eric Bana. Um, I mean, there was a shitload of people in it. Um, um, Richard Tyson was in it. I mean, you had a shitload of Tom Sizemore, a bunch of people that you knew. Yeah. But not only that, but it just it really compelled me, and it really drew me in. And I cared about the guys, and I, um, I was. It pissed me off how things went down, and that kind of stuff. With this, I did not feel that at all. I felt no connection. I uh, Ben Foster's character uh, of of all of them was the one that I was kind of like, ah, yeah, he's pretty cool. You know, he had a couple of moments where you're like, yeah, but they it, everything was really cliche, um, even. When uh, the shit was going down and these guys, you know, they're, they're Navy SEALs together. They train together. It's a brotherhood and everything. But I never felt um, like this desperate uh, emotional thing where these guys, like you're sitting there watching your best friend get shot to pieces or whatever. It was more like they'd look at each other and say something like, you know, get tough. You know, let's kill those fuckers. And, right. you know, uh, uh, never stop fighting and stuff like that. I mean, but you never got, I mean, I mean, maybe they were putting on their war face so that they could keep going and, you know, keep, uh, and, and some of the stuff, you know, that they went through, yeah, it was really, because I was watching, I was like, man, there's some brutal stuff here. But right. even that, I, it just, I just got to where I was kind of like, this just wasn't very good. Uh, so anyway, I, it, I, if I, out of a, you know, because I, I left it open when I, a lot of stuff I post, if it's something I watch, I won't say anything on the group. 
because I know we're going to talk about it on the show, and you know, you yeah, don't want yeah. to. It kind of seems redundant. So, but I, I maybe give it a six out of ten. Yeah. I thought it would be way better because, like I said, uh, there's some. Um, and I, my friend Brian said that he thought maybe it was because a lot of this stuff has just been overdone. You've seen so much of it. But I don't think it was as much that. I just I don't think the casting was that great, but I think it, it just seemed like it was more of a um, – I don't know if I want to say a propaganda piece because then people will be like, well, you're a liberal and you're fucking uh, you know, against war and stuff like that and everything. But like I said, I watched Black Hawk Down and I mean I was like – it had me up and down. It had me pissed off. It had me – really concerned about the guys and you could see that they were really, you know, desperately uh, trying to help each other and that there was some feeling and emotion and brotherhood. This mm-hmm. stuff was just all cliche. I mean, everything they mm-hmm. were even saying was cliche. Okay. And it was just like, they were just spewing what, you know, their, their uh, catchphrases or something. And I, it just didn't work for me at all. So anyway, that's, yeah. I think that's it. Let me click one more back on my arrow and see if there's anything else there. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that's uh, I I did fin- I did remember something else I watched and it was forgettable. That's why um, I watched uh, <clears throat> in the line of duty. So last week I talked about the Barry Prima movie, The Terrorists. Huh? Um, in the obscure Greek VHS rip that I have of it, <laughs> there's a trailer for this movie called In the Line of Duty or Royal Warriors. That movie that word's hard for me to say. Um, Starring Michelle Yeoh and uh, Michael Wong and some other people. Uh, this is pretty wild. The 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 some of the story gets a little because they they're basically they they kind of force a uh, relationship angle into it with Michelle Yeoh. She's the main. It's three unrelated cops who all get tied up in a um, plane hijacking um, and then uh, are out to solve it. Well, one's like airport secure air security, like an air marshal. And the other two are just one's like a getting ready to retire cop. And the other one's a current cop. And, um, so they get tied up with this hijacking and, and foil that, and then get tied up with the case, trying to figure out who the group is and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's pretty good. Michelle, yo, I've never, I don't know that I've ever seen at least not that I remember, uh, stuff that she was in. Now that I say it, I'm going to look and see that she's probably in like a lot of shit that I said. Yep, she was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and uh, some. Uh, she was in Sunshine, and <laughs> okay, she's been in a lot of stuff. But anyway, um, she uh, she is like some of the 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 kung fu and stuff in this is awesome. Um, some really cool action set pieces, and uh, this is a uh, we we should do a double feature with her because. Back in uh, back in the eighties, it looks like she was pretty pretty awesome. Uh, some good kicks and shit, and lots of that stuff where they that they do in they, so well in the eighties Hong Kong cinema, where uh, somebody will get kicked in the head and the dust will like puff up next to their head, yeah. and then they instead of like flying backwards, they kind of like do like a like a, a clock hand turning and just like just flop straight to the floor and like bounce off the dusty floor too. A lot I of love that. when they hit the floor and all the fucking yeah. dust. Kicks yes, up. it's good. It's it's a good movie. Um, and there's a lot of uh, Scott Adkins movies. In the second one, which I don't know if it's actually the second movie, but she is in it, and it looks like it might have been made the year before. They might have just called it, <laughs> like repackaged it as In the Line of Duty 2. Um, 
but uh, um, Mikey's lady is in that. Uh, Rothrock is in that one. Oh, so <laughs> I might have to might have to check that one. Oot, uh, let you know how that one is. Um, the only other thing I watched is this was the forgettable one. Somebody posted something somewhere, I guess, on the Gentleman's Guide group about the movie Singham. Um, because we were watching Cholet, I was like, eh, it's been a while since I watched a Bollywood movie. So I watched one that was released back in 2011. This is one we got at the theater. Um, it, it's a, well, the, the, the synopsis, a humiliated, a humiliated gangster uses his influence and goon power to terrorize a newly transferred police officer. So goon basically power. like there's sounds like Philadelphia Flyers. Goon power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this, this movie was like two hours and 20 minutes and it really could have been like 60. There was so much like I thought Singham was just going to basically it's a it's a cop that he gets tied up like kind of blackmailed or something and like everybody thinks he is in on this payoff with this uh like local crime, crime lord and he's shamed and blah, blah blah and he he commits suicide and this guy this guy Singham that lives out in the country uh he's like super cop. <laughs> what? And he decides to come to the to the city to kind of clean up the shit. And I thought it was just going to be that. Like, I thought he was going to always lead the Ray-Bans on. And because there's this awesome scene where he like, the guy's like, yeah, you're all tough with the fucking gun and blah, blah, blah. And he like turns around and hands his gun to this lady and then takes his shirt off. And this dude's chest is fucking huge. And just, like, <laughs> and just whips all their asses in the, in the street. And, and, and Bollywood, uh, uh, fighting is usually absurd. Like he'll punch somebody and they'll go flying like 13, 14 feet back in through a car window or something. So there's a lot of that, which is fun. But they put this whole like comedy love angle in it, and they make him not act, act not act tough the whole time, and it like really hurts it. Man, it was just dragging. So I, I was I was playing a game on my iPad for like the second like hour of it. So, <laughs> eh, it's a, it's forgettable. It it I've seen better like in this genre. There's one I need to remember the name of, and it might not have even been Hindi. It might have been a Telugu film, but the guy like carries two axes with him at all times. Nice. There's some, there's some fun. There's some fun like cop, through, like like ridiculous action flicks like that. But this one was pretty forgettable. It's, eh. I'm gonna start walking around Target and uh, Chili's <laughs> with two axes. Chipotle. Uh, uh, yeah, like uh, this fucking. Uh, I was gonna say retards, but that's politically incorrect. Well, they kind of are. They are politically incorrect. Yeah, um, but yeah, that that was all I watched. I played some games, uh, some po- some old games. And yeah, Did I didn't really Oculus do a lot. I didn't know that shit would make me vomit instantly. Yeah, but that'd be awesome. You could just put a a sack around your <laughs> mouth and just vomit. Light. I'll put the I'll put like a horse feed sack under my face. <laughs> you just the see the Oculus weight of the vomit. <laughs> I'll just I'll play that Zelda, the Zelda Legend of Zelda <laughs> on Oculus Rift, and every time I swing my sword at a fucking uh uh pea shooting thing i'll just blah, 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 over and over again oculus shit i'll lose i'll lose weight <laughs> uh so yeah um that was about it um so we'll take we'll we'll just take one break today and uh we'll come right back and talk a little bit about uh grand budapest hotel we'll be right back When you're watching movies, are you sick of remakes, reboots, reimaginings, reinventions, and Reese Witherspoon? Are you fed up with movies where giant robots try to remake Enter the Dragon? 
Do you think that torture porn is vastly inferior to 1970s drive-in porn? Do you find Botox actresses with fake tits and action heroes with no chest hair a turn-off? Do movies where no single shot lasts more than two and a half seconds piss you off? Yeah, me too. That's why I do Paleo Cinema Podcast, a podcast for films more than 20 years old. So if you think the Cinturis is a guy and that Myrna Loy is a kind of metal... You need Paleo Cinema Podcast. Go to paleo-cinema.com and do yourself a favour. Easy loving, easy living, easy taking, easy giving. That's the way my love goes round. Budapest. Uh, this is directed by one Wes Anderson. Um, inspired by the works of Stefan Zwig, who I'd never heard of before I saw the little inscription at the end of this movie, and I still don't know anything about him except a little bit I read. Um, and uh, starring Ralph Fiennes and briefly kind of F. Marie Abraham and kind of, uh, kind of somewhat maybe... Uh, uh, Jude Law and some other people. There's a cast of thousands. Um, Zom, I've, t- I've talked about this movie a little bit before. You have. You've just well. seen it for the first and second time today. Uh, what do you think of old Grand Budapest? Well, I'll tell you what. It seemed oh, like it was a oh, little no. bit slow. <laughs> you there? Is it not working? No, it's working. Huh? It's working. So should I continue? <laughs> oh, yeah. No. It's, well, I thought you said, fun. oh, no, oh, no. No, I said, oh, no, because you said it's a little slow. And I was oh, like, oh, no. Oh, you're going oh, to break my heart. <laughs> no, I broke you. I, I don't break the heart. I broke the momentum of the, of the show. Oh. <laughs> okay, anyway. So, okay. Um, I watched this. I bought it on iTunes at your recommendation. I pre-ordered it. And yeah. I got the email on Tuesday and it was awesome because I got the email saying your pre-order of Grand Grand Budapest is ready to download. I'm like, holy shit. And I turned it on the Apple TV and it was awesome. Yeah. They, they, uh, that's one thing about iTunes. They have, uh, the early release cause that's like lone survivor. Now, of course I didn't buy that. I just rented it, but mm. shit, they had that fucker two weeks before it was out in Walmart, maybe three weeks cause they had, but it was just for purchase. Now, wow. Um, like that movie, um, since I had never seen it, I'm like, there's no way I'm fucking buying this thing for $14.99 or whatever it was, uh, cause I've never seen it. But I pretty much Wes Anderson for me is, uh, pretty gold. It, uh, yes. you know, I, there, you know, uh, like, uh, there's been a couple of his movies that were, you know, 
uh, you're going to have that with anybody. You're going to have ones that, that you think are great and some of them that are like, eh. I mean, yeah. not eh, but I mean, even his bad ones I, I kind of like. Or not bad ones, but, you know. The, you know even your least awesome. favorite you still like. Yeah, I still like. Um, so anyway, I went ahead and bought it. And I was not disappointed. And, uh, you know, like especially if I would have went to see it in the theater, uh, you know, how much did it cost for a fucking theater now? Uh, it cost me ten fifty when I went to go see it. Yeah. So I watched it twice and it was like, what, 14 bucks or whatever? 14 bucks. So, yeah, now I've, I've paid twenty five fifty total for this movie and seen it three times. <laughs> well, yeah, and, you don't, and, you, and you don't mind it, you know? So, no, no. Um, I love the uh, now. Some people say that he's a gimmick kind of guy because of the style, you know, how he does his movies. Uh, I've heard some uh, critics say that he's like a little kid who likes to play dress up, like mm-hmm. all the actors are his dolls, and you know, like they're all in doll houses, and he puts them in these scenes and dresses them all up and all, all this stuff. And to some extent, that's kind of true, but it gives such a different look and such a um, uh, a unique perspective, the way he shoots things. Um, now in this movie, uh, I didn't notice it the first time I watched it cause I was watching it on my iPad, yeah. but he shot the movie in three different, uh, ratios to signify each period of time. Like I think it yeah. started out in the thirties. Uh, it started. Then- okay. It's, I, and this one, this is one thing, uh, and it's related to this. Okay. One thing that I thought, thought was really interesting about it the way it's layered because it starts off there's actually a little part that starts off current day and with a girl going to a graveyard and hanging a key on the author quote unquote the author's grave and then it flashes back immediately to 1985 and shows the author introducing his book the Grand Budapest Hotel that she had in her hands at the grave. And who is that guy? I, I know him and I can't think of his name. Um, Tom Wilkinson. Wil- yeah. Wilkinson. This is the um, actual, based on the writer. Yes. So he plays author 1985, which immediately, as soon as he sp- starts speaking, within two minutes, flashes back again to 1962, where the author, played now by Jude Law, young author or now he was you know, he's referred to as young writer is inter- is getting the story of the grand budapest that he will then write into the book and then from there there's a yet another flashback and it sounds more complicated than it is it makes sense yeah. cuz all this happens within 5 minutes right uh, and most of the movie is then flashed back to 19 the 1930s which starts in 32 but i think it might go a little past 32 um and uh, it's and but yeah. Did you read? Did you see the little um, slate article about the different aspect ratios? Mm, I, I remember I, the, like what the, what they sent out to the theaters that said, "Hey, play this and this." Well, yeah, kind of. It talks confused. about it talks about it in this specific movie and how the different like the. Or they uh, didn't want projectionists to be going nuts saying, "What the fuck." <laughs> Well, in nineteen, in Slate, well, Slate magazine had a little thing about Grand Budapest Hotel and the, and the different aspect ratios, and uh, the nineteen eighty five to present is one point eight five to one, and they they even said that maybe this is a call to nineteen eighty five, saying that it's one point eight five to one, but uh, like eighty five, but that that was a a ratio of a, a many widescreen movies starting like present movies. Mm-hmm. Um, 
then they do the ultra wide screen for the 60s, the 2.35 to one, it even opens up more. And that was a um, adopted maybe in the late 50s into the 60s. And that's when movies, and this is what this article says, in part as a reaction to the rise of the small screen of television, they started making movies in super widescreen. And then when they flash back to the 30s, there was an aspect ratio, and I do know this one. This was called Academy, and we'd have to show some movies at the theater in Academy ratio, which is almost like the old TV. It's like one one and a third to one, one point three three or one point three seven to one. Um, that is, and all of the thirty stuff is done in, you know almost in a. It looks almost square when you watch it in the theater. Yeah, but it fits. It fits an if you have an iPad, it fits an iPad screen almost perfectly. I never even hardly noticed any of the different ratios when I was watching on my iPad. When I started watching on my big screen at home today, I was like, what the fuck? Do I have my TV <laughs> fucked up? Because you got these two big black fucking rectangles on the side yeah. of each, you know, of the screen. And then, you know, uh, right when I was getting ready to pick up my remote and like see, you know, if, if I could stretch it or make it full screen, it switched over to another time period and it took up the whole screen. So that was it pretty was cool. a, It was a neat effect. I liked it. it was, oh, yeah. I mean, it's simple. It was cool. Like, yeah, I thought it was neat. But he's the kind of guy that like uh, that that would think of doing something like that. I mean, this he, the Wes Anderson is a is a, a clever motherfucker, and, yeah. and not only that, but one thing that I like, I love the costumes and the amount of thought and time that goes into each costume for each person, and not just the costumes, but also um, just the little knickknacks and trophies and and. Uh, this- uh, Medals and ribbons and shit. Yeah, this this thing is like if you, tr- what I did today, the third time I watched it since I had just watched it, like I f- just finished it yesterday, I went through it the second or the third time, just kind of like, still paying attention to the movie, but more like trying to look at surroundings and background and stuff like that, and it was really cool because. It was almost like it almost makes you tired because <laughs> when you're looking at it because of the the amount of detail that's like in everything. Oh, yeah. It's like it's like going into a thrift store or something like that where they just have stuff everywhere in every little nook yeah. and cranny and you know just just looking and trying to find little things that they put in there and um I noticed like uh in Wilkinson's study when he is um Speaking to the camera, basically talking about you know what why he wrote the book he wrote and everything. Uh, just looking at the shelf back there. Uh, one thing I did notice, I, mean, I don't know what it is. I guess maybe it's because he was supposed to be like a uh, an award winning uh, writer. I just noticed all these trophies and, and ribbons and stuff, and I was like, Wes Anderson must really be into trophies. Um, and well, yeah, uh, I think uh, a, they, there was a lot of trophy stuff in uh, in. Uh, didn't he have some? He have a lot of trophies in. Um, Roy Tenenbaums. Uh, Roy Tenenbaums, yeah, the 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 tennis player kid. Oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah, they were always, them, yeah. you know, they were supposed to be these intellectual kids, and they all had mm-hmm. all their, uh, you know, success. Well, uh, what's his name had most of the success, and then the other one, the other guy, uh, <laughs> right, and Stiller fucking uh, hated him or whatever. But anyway, um, I, I I love the um, the scenes like every place that they went to because they shot uh this entire movie in germany in different places huh. and uh, the buildings it was a german uh english or british and german joint uh picture um but like 
when they would get these, um, like when she walked up to the cemetery and they had the big wall and it actually has an, these giant letters painted on there, like this is such and such cemetery, like yeah. someone's painted <laughs> on there. But now, of course, that was real, uh, you know, stuff at ground level. But when they were showing some of the, um, the uh, chalets or prisons or whatever that's set perched on these, these big peaks, uh, they were animated. And, yeah, little and, miniature, miniatures, yeah. And all that stuff, the trains um, or, or the, um, the trains and the, um, what do you call it, the, the, the cars that carry people up the mountains? The gondolas? Yeah. Are, they, the, are those the, gondolas? I, I think they called them, the, now they had two different ones. They had the ones that were on the wire when they were in the mountains, but then they had yeah. that little one that was like, a, it looked like a single train car with like a slanted track that went up to the Grand Budapest Hotel itself. But all that stuff looks so cool because you, you can kind of tell, I mean, you can obviously tell, it's sort of yeah, like yeah, yeah. life aquatic. You can tell that it, it almost looks like a little toy. But it adds to it because it kind of takes you back to a time in movies, like even in those um, fucking puppet TV shows like Thunderbirds that they based yeah. – um, uh, what the fuck was the show? Uh, uh, Team America. Um, that kind of stuff. Uh, even like or old like, James – Like uh, even, even as far back, like I, it made me think of – there's a scene um, in the – remember the – have you seen Charlie Chaplin's Gold Rush? Yeah. Where he – where the the house is tilting on the cliff and like the miniature work with the little guy falling out the door and then back in yeah, again and, yeah 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 they it's it's obvious that it is that they're miniatures and that they're models or whatever and stuff like that but they take they painstakingly uh, they pay attention to detail so much it almost yeah, reminded yeah. me of like my uncle had a train set. And it would just get more elaborate and more elaborate. He had it all laid out on these boards, and he had little bushes God. that you know you had to paint, and uh, a station, and it had little figures like the guys that do the miniature uh, soldiers and stuff, and they paint each one of them by hand. That's, so that's I mean, what I it's ad- I very admirable. When I was saying that, when I was saying that the movie is almost can be like tire, like ti- not tiresome, but like when looking at the attention to detail and just thinking about the. The amount of work that would go into just creating one frame of this is just like, oh my god! Like the, that's it's just like it's so much so much thought goes into what everything looks like, you, and it's just one of those things you can tell. There's not anything lazy about about oh, no. the way this movie's put together. And this guy, you can tell that Anderson, he probably is just giddy about all this shit. He probably has all this <laughs> shit in mind. And then when he gets with like the costume, uh, the people that, that create the costumes and everything, mm-hmm. he's like, okay, I want this to be tweed and I want this mustache to look like this. And I want this guy to have monocle or I want these glasses, eyeglasses like Jeff Goldblum wore, you know, they, they go and find these fucking eyeglasses probably from, you know, the 1930s, you know, real, uh, uh, when I was watching this in some scenes, I kept thinking, you know, uh, uh, that a hipster person, and I don't mean that in a derogatory <laughs> term, would love this fucking movie for like all the old clothes and shit like that. And everybody is different. Everybody has their own style. Willem Dafoe fucking was so awesome because <laughs> he he's sitting there the first time you see him 
uh, they're reading a will, and he's sitting there, and he has he has rings on every fucking finger, and he's holding his fists up, and like he's with anticipation, but he is a thug, and he's oh, like he's a, so gross. He's a mouth breather, so he's sitting there with his mouth kind of hanging half open, like a, a big bullfrog, and he's so <laughs> ugly. But then, <laughs> in one part, uh, did you notice his pants? What floods they were? Like no. he, he had he had all black on. He had black boots, like uh, the the. Uh, uh, I think they were like the black, or what they looked like, because I don't know if they had the boots back then that zipped up the side that only came up to ankle he does, height. He takes he takes them off. It wouldn't have been zip. Well, I don't know. He remember he takes them off in the hotel and it shows his feet up close. Yeah. I mean, not in the hotel, in the museum. Uh, I think they, I think they were laced. I loved his leather fucking uh, uh, coat that he wore when he was riding the motorcycle, and the guy at the gas pump. Um, says something to him like, "Where are you going? You going skiing? You going here?" And this and Willem Dafoe looks like a fucking goddamn uh, uh, psychopath, German Stasi or something. He's all in leather and black, <laughs> and, he, and or like KGB. And he fucking has that little little uh, uh, square thing of match. It matches his coat, but it's got uh, uh, snaps all the way around it. And he just pulls it open. Uh, like on a it's almost like it's on a hinge and he's got his uh flask a pocket for his flask which is leather the pocket and his pistols right beside of it and that <laughs> flap just covers it up and the guy's sitting there talking to him and he just goes <laughs> like if, if today it would be velcro but it just like snaps snaps that <laughs> yeah. when he's when he's riding the motorcycle you can tell he's not like and uh, he's not really riding him, a motorcycle yeah, yeah but it still looked cool just the way it was yeah. shot the old vintage motorcycle With his i goggles. loved his character um uh, Adrian Brody was fucking awesome. He, <laughs> he just looked like an evil, like he looked like something out of Boris and Natasha. Oh my uh, god! With the the, he, the little thin black mustache and the big quaff of black hair, but he was such an asshole. And the thing, the one thing that got me about this movie that I really liked was um, whether it was Fines or Adrian Brody or whoever, um, mostly those two. They like Fines would sit there and he would start saying something uh, really eloquent, but then he because so, he was this, <laughs> yeah. putting on the airs of being this culture, which he was like a very cultured guy. But it was like a, it was like a when they say uh, uh, somebody who works in the fish market, they could become. Uh, and make a million dollars off working in the fish market, and they could be driving a Mercedes. They could be dressed in, uh, you know, Hugo Boss or whatever, but they still smell like fish. And that's the way Fines was. He could just spout this elegant, uh, long-winded stuff, <laughs> but then he'd turn around in the next sentence and say the crudest fucking shit. Oh, it, more, well, a like, good example really- of that was when he um, <laughs> he was in the because he would always quote poetry. And something like horrific had just almost horrific had just happened, and he was trying to like make a make this like grand poetic statement about the you know how horrid uh, mankind was becoming, and he kind of stops in the middle of one sentence. And he's like, "Ah, oh, fuck it," and just <laughs> and drinks a drink. <laughs> he's got a lot. Of, he's got a lot of good quotes in it, though. Throughout throughout the entire movie, um, whether it was Fines or uh, the girl that was Zero. Zero is Fines. Um, uh, he is the concierge of the Grand Budapest. And Zero is like the head, what, bellboy or something? I can't remember. Yeah, he's the concierge and he's the and um, Zero is the lobby boy. Yeah, like the lobby. Little the the lobby. new lobby boy who's learning, but he is, he is the perfect, like, 
they're walking through and and he's uh and finds has given him the 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 rundown like okay so do you know this and this and this he's like no i've never done it he's like oh zero experience and like but then in the elevator he finally wins him over when he you know he gives this answer about the you know people know about the grand budapest it's a destination and all this stuff and finds stops he's like very good yeah why 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 do you want to work here and he just basically puts over the hotel like who wouldn't want to work here it's the fucking grand budapest he's like very good but every time here's here's another good quote with the with the uh accrued at the end he says this is gustav uh uh, fines talking about the uh the boy with apple painting he says this is van hoydel's exquisite portrayal of a beautiful boy on the cusp of manhood blonde smooth skin white as that milk of impeccable providence one of the last in private hands and unquestionably the best it's a masterpiece the rest of this shit is worthless junk. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's funny is they give that big build up for that goddamn boy with Apple. And then when you see the painting, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was just like, I mean, what? But, uh, I love, and I love the painting they replaced. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that was really good. And the funny thing about that was I could see that happening where it, it's just something that's there all the time. So you don't yeah, even pay yeah. attention to it. And it, it could be gone for a while and replace something else. <laughs> nobody would even and it was just sitting there next to the fireplace, too. <laughs> but there were several, I mean, throughout the entire movie, uh, whether it was Fines or it was uh, Zero's girlfriend or whoever, they would start to say something really profound, something poetic, and they would get cut off every fucking time. <laughs> every fucking time. Hold that thought. The alarms yeah. are going off. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. I want And I, I like the first meeting of uh, Brody and Fines at the reading of the will, and Brody kind of uh, in uh, very blunt terms. Questions, uh, fine sexuality. <laughs> yeah, who's this fucking faggot? Yeah, yeah, he just fucking stands up. But everybody in that goddamn, everybody in that fucking room, it was like almost like a church or something. They just had pews going back with all these people yeah, yeah. there to hear the reading of the will, and they all look like something out of that movie with um, Ewan McGregor and Fassbender about uh, Sigmund Freud. Uh, I mean, oh. they all had the little glasses, and it was a specific time, and they're of a specific mm-hmm. uh, class of people. And then Brody's, uh, you had Brody and um, Willem Dafoe, and they look, uh, I mean, they couldn't have looked more like uh, evil villains from, <laughs> yeah. you know, a movie. But then the three sisters. Oh, they my looked, God. They were fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I liked um, – oh, and then there were, there were two things. I, those are the only two notes that I made. There were two pivotal uh, things in this movie – not pivotal, but very important things in this movie. And one of them was uh, Mendel's uh, like confectionery, like little cakes. Two they things to, mm, I was Mendel's. obsessed with with those cakes. Yes. The, the, I love the way they would cut it and they would never break. And – they they were so like these weird little like do you know what macaroons are not the coconut yeah. ones that we have but the the italian ones they look like a macaroon but like stretched out to these weird proportions and i loved how they could just cut it and it would not collapse at all and that fucking box just i loved it so much when she would just pull one ribbon and the box would just fold up to perfection and whoever designed that is a genius because i thought it was so cool the woman that designed that that actually had to make those 
cakes or confectionery, whatever the fuck they were. They were like like a cake. Uh, she said that was the hardest thing, and and she had worked on I don't know how many different movies. Like, say she worked on Star Wars and they had to fucking make this, you know, something or whatever. She said this topped even that. The, those making those little cakes and that box were the hardest thing that she ever had to do wow. in, in in her whole career. The other thing was uh, <laughs> Lair de Panache. And I, <laughs> I thought he was saying, I thought at first I thought he said leather uh, de panache. And then I thought he was saying lead de panache, but it was lair de panache, which is the cologne slash perfume that finds bathes in. And they even talk about <laughs> that. How he wears so zero, much. Of. Zero describes him as the most liberally perfumed man I had ever encountered. <laughs> <laughs> like they were in, uh, when they were in fucking prison, or he was in prison, and uh, the, he's in the cell, and the other guys say, you know. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say who one guy is in the prison cell because that was a nice that surprise. That totally caught me off fucking guard. <laughs> yeah. Because even when I first glanced, I didn't know who it was until he started speaking. <laughs> yeah. And that also goes for an older, uh, a very old woman at the beginning. I had no idea who that was. Until, oh really? Yeah, I, had, I did not nice. know. The makeup was so fucking, you know, great. Gross. They, uh, <laughs> Wes Anderson said that most of his movies uh, they don't get a big budget, so they have to skimp. And he got a huge budget for this one, so they said, "Okay, let's go all out on like the person." I mean, the fucking sets are immaculate. Yeah. the The costumes are really fucking good. Um, I the detail in this movie is just I, again, like I was saying, even in there, there's a train car, and I was like, "Man, even building this fucking train car, they've aged the wood." Yeah. Like it's just like everything they thought of. You and you'll see so there's so many people that just show up. Now there's a, there's some times where I was kind of like, okay, they did, I know that this person has been in, and it's not just one person. It's it was a couple of different pe- people where I was kind of like, okay, I know that Wes Anderson has become like this big thing, and he has his own style and people that have worked with him before, and they would just kind of throw him in there. Yeah, yeah, and it would it would just be like a a, a, a ten second clip. Uh, now there were some people that I did mind, like uh, I'm, I I don't even know if I want to say some of the people because it's kind of fun when you're watching it to see people show up and you're like, oh, yeah, there's yeah, so and so or there's so and so. But I love when they were in the fucking prison cell, and uh, the, the, all the, the the four or five other prisoners call finds in he's he's passing out the gruel, which was funny as shit because he's still yeah <laughs> mush he's still trying to you know keep his uh like like it almost like he's uh. Uh, working at the hotel, and uh, he goes in, and they, and they all kind of get him together, and they're like, "Okay, we've all decided that that uh, we think you're a straight guy." And he goes, "Well, I've never heard, I've never had anybody call me that before." <laughs> <laughs> and when they were breaking out of the fucking prison, some of the shit was like something out of a <laughs> cartoon. Like when oh, you see, they were they, they, their the, little the legs cell, going they, Yes, they yes, are under the and beds the, and. I love the I love when they 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 finally get to the last trap door that discovery and how brutal ah, that is. That I laughed out loud. <laughs> Would you say that's a draw or something like that? As Jesus a- <laughs> Christ, I because I didn't expect it and I was like, oh shit! You know, my reaction was their reaction. 
you know, and I got, other I, people's reaction. I got another uh, a good quote about the prison uh, when Zero comes in and, and sees him after he's been there a couple days, and his eyes are both black, and he's got it, <laughs> and he's like, he's like Zero's like, what happened? He's like, what happened, my dear Zero? Is I beat the living shit out of a sniveling little sniveling little runt called Pinky Banditsky because if we've learned one thing from Penny Dreadfuls, it's that you can't be a candy ass. You've got to earn their respect. Yeah, I mean, it's like like I said. I mean, if you're listening to him. <laughs> At certain times, you're thinking this is this refined gentleman and everything, but deep down, I mean, this guy has been, uh, been in he, like back from bars and whorehouses, yeah. and you know, he, he's like, he oh, fucks you know, old we'll women see. for a living, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll leave when I die. I'm going to leave everything to you. Uh, that is everything that we <laughs> haven't spent on whores and and booze or something like that. I yeah, mean, whores and whiskey. Just, it, it just comes out of nowhere, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just his this blue collar, uh, you know, rough, rough, uh, bad. I don't know if say badass, but I mean, you can tell that this guy's been in some shit. Uh, he's near criminal. He's near near criminal, <laughs> but he tries to cover it up. But it just kind of it just seeps through, and it's hilarious. Um, yeah. I liked. Um, well, there was one. I'm not going to say who it was that shows up. Uh, but the the uh, the whole thing, uh, what was the the Brotherhood of the Crossed Keys? That was cool. That was kind of cool, just how they did that, where they he goes, okay, I'm gonna make a call, and it just went one, <laughs> the, two, the series bam, of phone calls, bam, yeah, bam. yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. But um, oh, I'm trying to think of some other stuff because, like I said, I didn't take any notes. Do you have any other stuff that uh, um, the top of your the, head? <laughs> you know, talked about the I love if this is a. It is still very uh, the Wes Anderson style, and it, this is shot by um, Robert Yeoman, um, who's done all of his movies. Um, but I kind of wonder, like, what? It, like, he always goes back to Robert Yeoman, who Robert Yeoman worked a long time before Wes Anderson was making movies, and none of his other movies you would you wouldn't think, at least what I see that. He has that visual like flair that uh, not visual flair, but that the same kind of idea of of the look that he would want. Because I mean, he did Robert Yeoman's done um, Bridesmaids. He did Get Him to the Greek, um, Dogma, the 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 uh, Kevin Smith movie. So yeah. it's like most of his movies, you wouldn't think this is Wes Anderson cinematographer. So it it kind of makes you know it makes me think I think a lot of this is Wes Anderson you know forcing his aesthetic and and but this guy's just able to shoot it well which is why he goes with him I don't know how much how much this guy actually puts into the Wes Anderson look but this movie has it's 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 very rich in color and it has the same kind of definitely the same kind of look but what works that I think might turn people off less i think the the one thing people have a problem with is that sometimes he seems a little retro just to for the sake of it like a lot of his movies seem out of time because he is stuck on this like mod 60s kind of look with almost everything regardless of the time period the movie takes place in and in this movie everything is time appropriate and the detail that went into it. So when you're in the 30s, you know the people aren't wearing um, big collars and and all that kind of stuff. 
this there is there is a scene there is a part that happens in the 60s which uh, probably the hotel the lobby looks the most like a Wes Anderson movie uh at least what you would would associate with him um but it actually takes place in the 60s and there's hardly anything that takes place outside of the 60s or the 30s so uh-huh. um but it's it's just it's it's very just visually like layered and I really appreciated that about it um <clears throat> the there's a lot of little like little quips and one-liners like you'd be familiar with with him but um I felt like it was probably I mean thinking back I I'm I'm a, I'm a big I'm a Wes Anderson mark it's it's easy to impress me I think my and we could talk about our like you know best or our, our most favorite or least favorite movies of his but maybe Darjeeling or this one this one might be his most grown up movie it felt the most heavy at times um Darjeeling still I don't know it's a toss up between those two it's it's certainly more a more grown up movie than some of his other stuff it doesn't feel as as playful through the whole thing as his other movies do um and I, I mean, for me, yes, Defoe is awesome, and I I loved the little uh, I loved how he you see him in the in the front row of that of the will reading, but where you really get the introduction to him is after uh, Fine says like I go to bed with all my friends, and uh, uh, Adrian Brody immediately punches him right in the nose <laughs> and he collapses. The camera flips around, Zero punches Adrian Brody right in the nose and he falls down. Then the camera flips around one more time. And Defoe punches Zero in the nose and he falls down. And then Defoe turns around right into the camera. And you can see both of his, they're like brass knuckles. Yeah. But, but it's all like skulls con- in an interconnected ring over four fingers. And he's just sitting there like cracking his knuckles. And the, there's like a vignette like light, like a spotlight. Yeah, it's like a spotlight for, on him. Yeah. Or, you know, just like the round clear or uh, uh, circle where everything outside of the circle and it was such a cool dark. little thought. It was yeah. so cool, and but they, he does that a few times where um, '60s Zero is talking about something, and he starts crying, and there's literally a spotlight on him, and it pans out, and him and the, the complete dining room is empty with Jude Law and Zero sitting at the table talking, and there's a spotlight over the table, and uh-huh. when it opens, Tom Wilkinson talking about writing the book Grand Budapest Hotel, and there's literally in it, I mean, this is just in his study, and there's a spotlight on his face, you know. And there's some obvious stuff that would not, it doesn't, it didn't take me out of it because the whole movie felt like almost like a little stage play almost. I got so caught up in the fines, uh, zero Brody and Willem Dafoe stuff that I almost lost track or forgot about, uh, the Wilkinson, uh, then Jude law and mm-hmm, is it mm-hmm. F Murray Abraham. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I almost forgot about those those characters that you know how they fit into the story and everything because you know the major part of the story is is the the tale yeah. being told and those and, guys were the uh, uh, the people either telling the tale or later on saying you know re- recounting how they learned about it and they're they're big parts of the movie but still I literally. When I got to the end, I was like, I had almost completely forgot about the Tom Wilkinson character until later on when I read, you know, that they had based it on the guy that uh, uh, Wes Anderson, that the novelist that yeah, and and the guy never wrote anything, but like he never wrote anything like that, and it seemed like there might have been, and what was his name, the 
uh, what I already forgot the yeah. name they gave him. The the author the starts with a Z. Steph, Stefan Zweig or Zweig. Well, he said um, he was really big, and, uh, like uh, in every yeah, well, huge part writer, of Europe yeah. except uh, 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 England. And he, um, <clears throat> he was in England, maybe, but then like it faded or something. Like his fame faded, or or he and just I, never I, got over in England. I can't when he committed suicide in the forties for some reason. There's there's a book about that, like that has come out recently. But the um, the I think the parallel could have been is that the actual author himself too was almost like a zero type person who kind of fled Nazis and. And that sort of thing. He was a he was an objector to World War One and uh, wrote about Hitler and stuff. And I and, love and, Fine's reaction to uh, the um, the the uh, the military guys when they're on the train. The first yeah. set of military. and I'm I'm going to tell you something seriously. I thought, Ed Norton. I've seen him in a, in, a, in some movies early, like when he played the Nazi skinhead. And, yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that, but man, sometimes he just fucking does not do it for me, and he does not seem like he's a very good actor. <laughs> was this one? Of, well, this I'll was tell you kind what, of one. Of, but then again, the the way that they were playing the characters in this movie, you know, he was supposed to be stiff and supposed to be yeah. I, I, and this this might have the most like stilted dialogue mm. of any Wes Anderson movie, like. No, the line deliveries in this almost exclusively don't feel realistic at all. Yeah, and it's it's intentional, but it all feels like they're reading in a way, um, which makes it feel like that little miniature play as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, on a small, st- it's a it's this huge, huge story on a small stage, which I thought was kind of a neat effect. Um, the I guess the 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 actual Grand Hotel. They found a an, an old department store. It said it was one of the only ones in Germany. This big grand uh, department store uh, from back in the you know twenties or thirties or whatever, and it was one of the f- only ones that was still standing after World War II because everything got bombed and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know blown up. And the the actual uh, lobby. Uh, there was a big uh, atrium in that place, and that's what they made the, the you know the lobby of the hotel when they'd walk in. That's the, I when I watch this movie, it's it's like God. I wish, I almost wish I lived back in that time and could live where when like you go to fucking Walmart now, and what's it look like in there? It's just this big oh, fucking metal yeah, building where, and yeah. you walk into these places and it's like this carved oak or wood or whatever. And everything's just so, uh, you know, I hate to say it cause it's the name of the movie, but it's so grand, uh, that it's just something really cool to see. But living in that time. Yeah. If you were the, the people of the, uh, of, a, of the class, that could stay at the Budapest Grand Hotel in its prime, yeah, it would be right, great. Right. But if you were just like a a, a guy that like Zero or somebody like that, it would suck because it sucked back then. You know, I, lo- I loved how he would draw on his mustache and. <laughs> there were some pencil thin mustaches. There were different kinds of. There were so many different kinds of mustaches in this. There was some Gold very good blooms. facial hair. Yeah, uh, Edward Norton had like a nice handlebar. Curled on the end, but then it also came down in a Fu Manchu. And he was really good at this, you know, as, yeah. the, as the lawyer. And he's like, I thought you were supposed to be our lawyer. And oh, my God, Brody <laughs> fucking. There was times in this where I thought he was hilarious. There was, a, there was an awesome shot in the museum of uh, Goldblum 
when it's almost completely dark and but somehow they illuminate just his glasses. I don't know if they do that digitally or not. But I thought that was a cool thing because all you see is his silhouette and he turns towards the camera and you just see like his two round glasses get illuminated. It was kind of a neat effect. If you um, don't like animal violence, uh, there's a part in this that you might not like, but it's it's pretty funny. Oh, yeah, that was, it was kind of funny. Yeah, uh, that was funny. The after effect. That was very cartoonish, but it was funny. Um. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot else to add on this. I mean, we covered it now. Oh, there's another good quote. Uh, when you're when you're young, it's all fillet steak. But as the years go on, you have to move on to the cheaper cuts. She's fine with me because I like those more flavorful, or so they say. <laughs> uh, uh, and I just gross. thought about old old Granny's uh, beef curtains when he's fucking. <laughs> oh man, I, I was just like ugh. ugh. <laughs> oh, her flavorful beef curtains. I, I sleep with all friends. I mean, that, that's the one thing where we decided since we were having you know technical problems with with uh, getting the other movie and watching it and everything that we would do this since since uh, we both had just recently seen it. I know you loved it. I fucking loved it. Um, yeah. So we decided to go ahead and do it. Um, we're kind of talking around a lot of the stuff because, you know, you don't want to just, this is the kind of movie where, especially some of the shit that fine says, you could just go quote to quote, to quote, to quote, to quote. Yeah. He's awesome. He's my favorite part of the movie. He's, he's very, he's like very manly effeminate. Like he quotes poetry and he, they wanted he, Wes Anderson said he wanted Johnny Depp to do it. And I'm glad he didn't. You know, I find I, I I'm glad he did finds. I, I mean, yeah. uh, for me, Depp could have could have pulled it off, but I think the issue with Depp now is that he is just that. everywhere. Odd court, it's like too, where he does the same kind of like yeah, and it's like Thompson in uh, uh, Rum Diary, or if he's doing. Uh, I'm trying to think of the others. Was like, hey, ah, you know, and, and he got. The I mean, and, and, and instead, he's gotten fucking. Uh, He's gotten the the asshole guy from In Bruges and fucking Voldemort to, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, and 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 it's and he's he I, he was more interesting because we I've I've already seen Depp do at least in this ballpark and his oh, fine birth hits name, it out of the park. I mean, his if Depp would have done it and would have been great, it would have been like okay, Johnny Depp, but you know, you don't you rarely see. Or I don't know if I've ever seen fines in a in a role like this, and he hit uh, it out of the ballpark, which made it so much better because you're like you didn't expect it. His name his name was he was born Ralph Nathaniel Twizzleton Wycombe Fines. <laughs> what um what did you think of uh, Zero, the the guy that played Zero and how he played the part? The kid or the adult? The, the kid. Um, he I mean. He's not, he's not, it's, 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 it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's a kind of a thankless role. It's not a, it's not a, a, a role that has many flourishes. He's very, uh, understated and he does, he did well. And it's that kind of, it's that kind of role. It's kind of like, um, uh, Ben, Ben Stiller's kids in, in Ten yeah. Bombs. you know, they're not there. He's there to fill a space, not to be a fully fleshed out character he's 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 supporting finds the entire move gustav the entire movie yeah. so 
Did you think that um, Gustav kind of did he have a little bit of a thing for him? I don't know. Or I don't know. I don't know. He might I mean maybe he's maybe he was bisexual, I don't know. Because I mean there's that thing he's like so maybe I'm not gay after all and he's like, "No, yeah, you are. You're just bisexual." Or something that's what Adrian Brody's come back. Oh, um, so but he uh I don't know. I don't know. And then there was that. There was a line that I caught the the third time through, when uh, with Edward Norton saying like he was very kind to a whatever young boy that I was or that kind of thing. Yeah. Like maybe. So I don't know. So I don't know if they were implying that he would swing both ways or what. But uh, I'm probably just totally broke what you were saying because Garage Band fucked up. But. <laughs> well, but I. I... Uh, uh, Gustav, I don't know if he was if if he was just people. I don't know if he was being a con and working people, or if he was just so well mannered and uh, being such a the cultured concierge that every that he knew. I I, I don't. I, what I'm trying to say is, even in the prison with the guy with the big scar on his face, the giant guy. Yeah, or uh, Edward Norton's character, or Zero, or whoever. He just had a way because he was so considerate and so nice. He would flatter people. He would um, uh, just be nice to them, and he would win them over. Yeah, except for Brody. <laughs> win <laughs> Nobody um, wins that guy over. But it, it made you wonder if he, because in some ways you could kind of say, okay, was he? just a gifted con man because of how he treated these old women or was he like, you know, with Liza Minnelli when she married the gay guy or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, or she's married like, so I think maybe more than one. Um, but, or the, is this person just someone who can reach people on, you know, a different level with his kindness and cons- and being considerate it's, or is he just like shysty just below yeah. the surface? <laughs> is he, yeah, is he is he is he a con or is he just you know uh, because of his job and everything he's learned? But I don't know if he's being manipulative or not. Like like even with the old woman now, was, were we led to believe he was doing that with every one of them just to get their money? Or yeah, he was kind of like a gigolo, but. Yeah. You know, but or but uh, oh my god, that one part about the fucking fingernails, <laughs> awesome. That was awesome. I'm not going to say what it was, <laughs> but it was fucking. I just hit me, you know. But anyway, we can, you know, this is this is so obviously where, going to be a shorter show since. Where does this where does this fall in your Wes Anderson list? Royal Tannenbaum's is probably number one. Um. God damn, this might be number two. I loved Rushmore, though. Um, Bottle Rockets kind of down there. Um, I'll tell you, I, with Bottle Bottle Rockets, one I've only seen one time back in back in the yeah, late nineties. After and it was after I saw Rushmore, and I never went back to it. I'm curious right. what it would feel like if I went back to it again. But I remember it feeling just kind of like a a college film, like it yeah. didn't it didn't have his flair yet, like that he was already getting in Rushmore. So. This this one, 
Mm-hmm. I've always, I mean, I want to say Tannenbaums, but this one's so fresh in my mind that I'm like, okay, was this better than Royal Tannenbaums, which was my favorite? Um, but like I said, I just watched it. And I've yeah. seen Royal Tannenbaums like probably goddamn 20 fucking times. So I would say this is right up there with, with the best. I mean, yeah. if not. And I, if not for me too, and I think maybe over time I'll be able to judge better if Tannenbaums, I'd still say, is still my favorite than this. Um, and, uh, and, and then, you know, Rushmore and, um, Darjeeling there. And then I'll probably Zisu and, uh, oh, and Fantastic Mr. Fox falls has to fall. In yeah, there that was really right? good. And uh, that'd probably be in the middle too. And then like for me, Bottle Rocket and Zisu are at the bottom. I mean, I like both of those. I, I, I didn't dislike Bottle Rocket when I saw it and Zisu I have seen more than once. Um, I mean, Bill Murray can elevate pretty much anything for me yeah. and mark for him too. So, but the, but this is, I mean, this, even after the first time I saw it, this rocketed to the top and, and, oh, and Moonrise Kingdom, that's down with Bottle Rocket. Um, did you see that one? Moonrise? Uh, no. I think, so, didn't you tell me it wasn't, I thought you told me it wasn't as good. My, my issue. It's all based Mo- around the kids or something. Yeah. My issue with Moonrise is that it, it, what, what Anderson does is have a strong male, central character and i don't know if that sounds sexist i'd like to see if he ever did one with a female central lead which i guess uh angelica houston was in in tenenbaums but it was really it was really uh you know the dad of the family the patriarch of the family um oh fuck (laughs) what uh gene hackman but um in in Moonrise, it was all about the kids, and it just I did, it, it didn't hold my interest nearly the same. And then this one, he went back to his more uh, his his more familiar to me formula of the central male leads, or yeah, and 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 then with uh, daddy issues. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and it's good. It's it's I, I was really impressed. So let's get at our ratings. Oh, 10. 10, nice. Um, For me, if I have to drop it below, if I have to rank it, I'm going to say like 9.5 or 9.75 because 10 bombs would be more closer to for me. Um, There's a, for, I guess I still haven't caught exactly um, the, the murder part of this. And I've I've seemed to have missed it three times. Like who exactly did it? <laughs> and I was like, I feel oh, like yeah, I should have yeah. caught that by now. <laughs> so I guess that has to drop it a little bit because I. Well, it wasn't... you know who I also liked, and I've seen him in other. I, I hate to you know don't interrupt because we're we're getting we're winding down here. But I forgot about this guy until just now. Was Serge X, played by uh, Oh yeah, Emil Reek? Because I've seen him in so many other movies, and I just and he is fucking awesome. Surgeons. Oh, and there's the. Um, <laughs> did you notice the? And we mentioned. I mentioned it during the blue is the warmest color review, but the uh, the one made, who was one of the girls from that. Oh, the one that. that did you Did you recognize her this time? I, I recognized her this time. Yeah. She was the blue haired girl. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember you saying that when when you talked about it when you first saw this, but I forgot about it, and I didn't even I didn't even pay attention to her, so I'll have to go back and watch it again. Yeah, you'll recognize her if you re- if you look for her this time. So she was a good um, cool. This is uh, we 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 goo gooed over this one quite a bit. So um, 
so we don't have any feed sack. Well, we got we got a little bit, but it's uh, it's Bollywood related, so we'll save it for the Cholet show. Um, we still are planning on doing Cholet. We'll uh, get the technical hitches figured out. So um, I'm really glad you liked uh, like this one though. That was that was cool. Jaw, so. good recommendation. Um, so you can always send us feed sack uh, to if you want to weigh in on Grand Budapest or Bollywood or anything like that uh, to two zero six three three nine sixteen hundred or Silva Gold Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, find us on iTunes and Stitcher and um, our website at I always pause on that www.silvaandgold.com. <laughs> so. Um, yep, so uh, another one in the books, so they say. Uh, let's see, I think that's about it for this week. Zom, yes, do you have anything else, sir? Um, no, I don't have anything to add to this fucking turd. Um, now the show was pretty good. I, yeah, you know, yeah. I knew there would be a lot to talk about just because, uh, of you know, the, the, the movie and everything, and uh, we're yeah. both gushing like two fucking uh broads whatever now it was good liked it cool all right guys and, and uh, i'm telling you what seriously if you if pam greer in her prime was your friend's <laughs> girl ex-girlfriend uh-huh, uh-huh. and you t- I, I find it hard to believe that uh in, in the right circumstances that uh the dick wouldn't be hitting the pussy it, it it it'd be t- I honestly I would probably have a conversation first. I got to tell you seriously, if Pam Greer was my girlfriend and we broke up, just because it was Pam Greer and because she's so hot, I would call you up and say, if you can fuck her, fuck her. <laughs> I, I I'm gonna do. I'm that's what kind of friend I am. I'm not You're like these the- other guys. Like, Ooh, this woman is tainted for life. No, I could never. You know, even though that they're never together again. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. I'm You're going the- to hand her on a silver platter and say, "Fuck." Share no. her with it's everybody. Just- that's how. That's how life works. You share your broads. Hell, I'd almost rather have my friend fucker than some dickhead. You know? Yeah, I don't know. You're one of the good ones, Zom. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Until next Rose time. Hose. <laughs> yeah. This is a loaf. Oot. Zom oot. Bye. Oh, wait a minute. What? Oh, Did wait, you not by. Nope, still recording. Okay. Did you see the little guy dancing through the titles at the end? The little uh, Cossack Russian? I saw it in the theater and I did not watch it this time, so I completely forgot about it. It's uh, the, the titles go all like there's like white on uh, a black screen and about I don't know if it's halfway through or whatever they're playing this like Russian music and this little cartoon little uh, Cossack guy with boots comes out nice. and and he just starts doing these little Russian dances where they kick their like like sitting down and kicking their legs out he does all kinds of different shit and I didn't see that the first time because a lot of times I don't watch times but oh. anyways I'm out and and uh, one more thing <laughs> Green Zone this movie if you are so inclined you will notice some really cool shit <laughs> Jaw. Yeah, the, I, all I could think about, everything is just so fucking symmetrical. <laughs> it's like everything's right in the center. It's awesome. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it was good. All right. Love. Zamut. Bye. Bye.